Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. All right. This is a Keep Hammering Collective with Kevin Akers. Did well, thanks you, for having me, man. Did you what? Did you know you were going to be ever be a guest on the Keep Hammering Collective? You probably should have anticipated it, right? Well, I kept it a secret, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we don't want people the word getting out and no. crowds forming, and no, we gotta we gotta gather and right and, uh, protect protect. Uh -huh. So exactly for people who don't know. I'll just give you a brief little history biography of Kevin. So Kevin, Oregon bow hunter from way back, has been a lineman. We, me and Kevin both started like in public working municipalities about the same time. I think ninety six is when I started. And I think is I think I was about there, maybe ninety seven. But anyway. You've been a lineman. Now you've been there for yeah. how many years is that? It's well, getting close to 30, right? Yeah, May of uh, 96 till now. Yeah, yeah. Still. And uh, But during that whole time, we've been bow hunters. Mm. You, when did you start bow hunting? You know, I was thinking about that on the way down here. I was like, what am I going to say? But I'm like, I don't know. So how about <laughs> bow hunting? <laughs> so I go, well, I think my first deer tag, um, archery, Tag was 1985 Ooh. or six, one yeah. of the two. You got me beat then. I was hunting with a recurve. Ooh. Did you kill anything? No, I missed Hell a lot. Hell no. No, dude, I couldn't <laughs> hit. 30 yards was like a 100-yard shot now. Yeah, I couldn't hit. I mean, my first season, I missed 16 bucks. Yeah. But that was my bow sounded like a 22, so. I know. Yeah, but I, I worked... Some people I worked for on a farm, they, uh, as a summer bonus, they bought me my first compound, mm. a golden eagle. And I, I think I was 15, 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. And so it was just off from there. That dramatically improved things. What, what, so I had a golden eagle super hawk turbo cam. Do you remember what yours was? It didn't have that many names. Yeah. Just golden eagle. It was a golden eagle compound. Yeah. And I was like, I was flabbergasted when they got it. Yeah. Me. I was just like, no one I knew bow hunted. Nobody was it, bow hunted. Was it black? No, it was camo. Oh, shit. I see. I had a camel my my own. I so know. green and black spray paint with ferns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do that. The arrows. <laughs> my well, first one of my bows. I think it was a bear bow. I had. Um, I did spray paint it all black. Like you know, black yeah. became a popular thing of a bow. It's I, called murdered out. Oh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I spray painted mine black yeah. long before it was in cool. vogue to mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, it wasn't cool, but I did it. And uh, but remember painting arrows. I used to paint arrows. I never did that. Wayne did that and screwed wow. himself up. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. It couldn't have been good. No. I mean, but when you're trying to get pie plate accuracy, remember that was the goal, like a regular yeah. white paper pie plate. If you could keep your arrows in there, then you're good to go. Yeah, so yeah that was standard wisdom. It, it Well, actually, the standard wisdom was your hunting distance is whatever distance you can keep four out of five in a yeah. white paper plate. Yeah. So you could have... Mm you know, one, three foot off. But if the other four caught that edge of that plate, you hey, shit, how far is that? You're good to go. I know. I think a lot of people, one out of five would have been good on the plate. <laughs> oh, man. And off they went, you know. But, yeah. hey, it was, yeah, the equipment is vastly superior. There's yeah. no doubt. It's not even close. I mean, I missed, I missed a lot of stuff, of course. And, uh, 
Yeah, it was just, but I stalked a lot. Yeah. You know, the whole name of the game and still is, is it's bow hunting. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to get closer. Yeah. And yeah, it's tough. And I remember when 30 yard pen was my last pen. Mm-hmm. And so if it was at 40, there's going to be a world record bull at 40 and I'd try to get 10 yards closer. <laughs> I'd probably just hold my pen high and let it go. <laughs> but I, I mean, didn't have many ethics back then. I mean, ethics came in later, it seems like. Ethics evolve over time. That's a tricky word. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean. I just wanted to kill. The vi- yeah, me too. That I was mean, the overpowering, overwhelming desire. And mm-hmm. I don't think you teach people that. Yeah. I think that just is, it was, it was I'm yeah. pretty sure it was born into me because I didn't need any assistance or help. I mean, I lived off and on, you know, like kind of like you did with different parents and mm. stepdad and stats. And my, my dad hunted a little mm. bit, right? But he took me. In like like my first two years rifle hunting. Mud water is something I've been using daily since I started the podcast. It's supposed to be an alternative to coffee, but I actually add it to mine for some extra health benefits. It's got four functional mushrooms and with only a little caffeine, and each ingredient was added for a purpose. Cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate-like flavor. Lion's mane for focus. Cordyceps to promote natural energy. It's also Whole30 approved, 100% USDA certified, organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher. Mudwater donates monthly to support psychedelic research and has since day one. They believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and that psychedelic-assisted therapy is one of the most effective tools we have to treat mental health conditions. Today, you get $20 off when you subscribe at mudwater.com cam. You also get a free frother and a sample of their delicious coconut creamer. So go to mudwater.com slash cam to get $20 off your subscription and your free frother. That's mudwater.com slash cam. After that, I was on my own. Yeah. And there was no doubt what I wanted to do. And that's the, that's the one thing that I've always done. Yeah. I mean, to your point, nobody ever had to like encourage me to go hunting and kill. They had to maybe say, you know what, maybe you need to not go so much. So it was like, I just was addicted to it. But yep. what I've always said about, about you specifically, specifically is if you have somebody who's hunted public land, especially in <clears throat> tough hunting like Oregon, where this isn't like, I've always said, nobody from Montana, Colorado, Utah, uh, Wyoming, they're not coming to Oregon to elk hunt. <laughs> so if you can kill bulls Good in point. Oregon... <laughs> And especially like this, the, I have this benchmark. If you can have killed 20, over 20 bulls with your bow on public land in Oregon, then I say, if you know somebody like that, you should probably listen to them because yeah. they know what the fuck they're talking about. That's a, that's a good benchmark. Right. And so that's, that's you. Um, how, what do you think has been your key to elk hunting success? Hmm. Well, I got to add to preface this really that not all those bulls, you know, I'm, I'm shot a lot over 20, but a lot of them came from after a while I would dub, would go to Idaho. Yeah. After I lived there, I would go mm-hmm. back um, and then hit in other states. So then you're hitting years where you're killing two bulls, maybe three. Yeah. And so it starts stacking up. Yeah. Um, as you well in, know. Because in Idaho, you could get, if they didn't sell out those non-resident tags, you could buy another tag and kill two bulls, right? Yeah. When they went to that system, yeah. um, that was possible. And there were guys that did it Yeah, um, and did well. But, you know, so there were a lot of years there were two bulls. But yeah, it was up for years and years. It was just Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that was the big deal. And I always hunted Eastern Oregon. I never really, I never really did the coast that much hmm. at all. I mean, there were just more elk. It was yeah. more, 
I mean, it was just more country. That's where I started hunting. So it was more country that I felt comfortable in. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's where we'd go. And yeah, it was fun. I mean, well, how would you get, how would you get a bull on the ground? What was your time? Time. That's what I I say. Time is a bow hunter's best friend. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you only have a handful of days, it's, it's tough to get that, that slam dunk or not even a slam dunk, but a good opportunity without just being out there more. Yeah. And the kind of hunting you're talking about, time, you know, time was more critical. If you go places with high elk densities and, you know, high bull to cow ratios, yeah, time's still a factor, but not as much because mm-hmm. you're getting the opportunities. But back then in those places, and even now, I mean, it's, it's hard hunting. These, I mean, those are hard hunted elk. Yeah. And they go to places people don't go so much. And it's just so time. I spent a lot of time at it. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, and you know, and of course, effort. I mean, I didn't sit around camp. I didn't grow up, you know, sitting around in a wall tent with a stove. I mean, mm-hmm. slept in the back of my truck or under it if it was raining, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. You know, it was just that, that overpowering desire just to go. Mm-hmm. And you got up and you put miles on and eventually you earned a few opportunities. Yeah. I just, I remember feeling back then if I hadn't got a, if I didn't kill an elk or hadn't got one killed yet, I just was like, could almost, couldn't even hardly live with myself. You know, it was uh-huh. just like, this is all I care about. And when I can't get it done, it's some, there's some sental, serious mental issues. It's like, I don't know. It's, you put so much into it and it's so freaking hard. And I couldn't imagine a whole off season thinking about, that I didn't get a kill and I have to wait 11 months to get out there and elk hunt again. That was probably one of my biggest fears or phobias or whatever you want, or I was afraid of that the most just because it meant so much. One of my favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Gothic Serpent. The exclusive coffee subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roasts from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. I mean... Yeah, well, it controlled your mind. The, I mean, it controlled my mind. I yeah. remember, you know, like being working uh, the week before s- season was getting ready to start. It was just like, I had a hard time focusing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just like, this is, this is at the time, you don't know, of course. But now I think that was powerful yeah. to my mind because that was all I would think about. Yeah. And I'm like, there's not much else like that. Works like that just because um, the nature of the business I'm in, you it really gotta, pays. It pays. Pay attention. It pays to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't. Reckless people don't. They get hurt. They don't mm-hmm. last long. Um, yeah, it's uh, no being alignment is definitely high stakes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm same as you. It's like that week before. I'm not saying I didn't give a fuck about work, but <laughs> I guess you could say that. 
It wasn't, I mean, yeah, it just was, uh, I'd just, say it was overpowering. You're buying, just buying time waiting to like when you could leave. Just went that Friday or whatever day you're leaving before God, season. It's like, it's like, finally. God. And if someone would have had approached me at that point in time with plans like, hey, you know, I'm getting married on this day or something like that, dude, I would have looked no. at them and been like, yeah. yeah. Good so, luck. <laughs> I, I'd have saying to people, I'd, I'd go, oh, dude, I'm getting married. You know, nah, I said, I'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, yeah I know. It's just your first. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. get the, we'll get the next one. Catch you on the next one. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it's, you know, work's different though. Work's different than hunting. Um, the focus part's intense in both, but, um, the hunting thing, like I say, that, that was more out of my control. That was like more in my mind than, than work. Work was yeah. like you, you focused and you paid attention to really think about it. You just, you know, you did what you're supposed to do, but it wasn't, you know, you'd go home and you weren't necessarily Thinking overwhelmed by that yeah. all the time. Hunting was different. Yeah. Hunting was just like overwhelmed. I just wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah. So it was, what, was time, it always yeah. elk? Was elk the number one driver? <laughs> Yeah. Because I know you've hunted everything. Yeah. I just wanted to go, man. Mm, didn't matter what? No. It, you know, an elk was a big deal. Elk and deer were always a big thing. They yeah. always were. And so they took a front seat to everything else. But uh, I, when I was a kid, uh, we had some neighbors and they moved away. But I got, they left, I don't know, there were like five boxes of outdoor lives from like the 60s and 70s. There were a, a hundred magazines. Had to be. Mm-hmm. I read them all. All of them. Mm-hmm. Jack O'Connor, all that stuff. And man, I'd look at those pictures and I'd read that stuff and I was just, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Th- those adventures, I mean, that that imprinted on me. And I was like, oh my God. that That's the most greatest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's li- living. Mount- yeah. I'm like, living in the mountains. Yeah, I was like, dang. But um, so yeah, that just it imprinted on me and I haven't had to think about it. I don't go, oh, hunting season's coming up. Oh, it's not like you're getting ready for Halloween or something. Right. It's just yeah. like, it's well, just like today I said, you know, Truett's coming in, we're going to take him deer hunting. And I said, are you going to be able to go? And you're just like, Oh, when is it? doesn't matter. Then I didn't really answer. You said, it doesn't matter when it is I'm going. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty much it's I've always, you know, cause I don't rifle hunt. You don't rifle hunt. I mean, I guess you do a little bit dabble in it, but, um, I don't care I'm, I'm not a rifle hunter, but any excuse I can get to go to take somebody, mm-hmm. somebody has a tag, somebody has this. So it's like, I bought, um, you know, we hunt on, uh, it's kind of the powers ranch is kind of what we call it, but it's also a bunch of warehouser land down there and timber company land. And so we have a pretty good setup down there to hunt. I think it's like 20 some thousand acres. I, I don't, I can't remember what the total is, but it's uh i bought two rifle hunts to be able to hunt that and not for me mm-hmm. for anybody <laughs> i don't care i'll i just want to find somebody <laughs> to go with and this this weekend happens to be Truett, and we're working on the other one but yeah it's like those are hunts that yeah, not for me for somebody else but i'll be there and that's good enough yeah I, and i think it's just i think the going right mm-hmm. the this is what's in motion this is this is my direction to do that i think that's to me nowadays, it's the same as whether I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier, you had to spend, because the opportunities were farther and fewer between for lots of reasons, you know, but um, they, you ha- I had to do all my time. I was extremely selfish. 
I mean, I, I, I hunted with my buddy Blake, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was go you, every, every man for himself mm-hmm. to, to be successful. Cause opportunities didn't come by very yeah. often. And when you yeah. found something good, you kept your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and so, but now it's not that opportunities aren't good, but there's, there's lots of other reasons. And I enjoy down there as much as anything, mm-hmm. helping people and do that. And I, and I realized, I think I'm on the way up here. I just got back from there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Trying to kill a bear. But I was doing it with a rifle mm-hmm. because um, my buddy Blake, who passed away a few years ago, it's his grandpa's hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. So I have it, and I was like, okay. refurbished it, right? No, I, it's it's the same it's as same. he had it. Oh, okay, exact same. Gotcha. And I remember when he got it from his grandpa, we were checking it out, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he goes, Yeah, I'm gonna shoot some blacktails with it. I'm mm-hmm. like, Cool. And he did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Now that I got it, I'm like, I think I need to shoot something with this. So it's kind of a I don't know, it's kind of a deal. I don't yeah. care if I shoot a little blacktail buck or a bear or whatever, but yeah, it's gonna I'm going to make that. Yeah. I'm going to make a point of that pretty yeah. much every year. Well, I mean, you mentioned Blake, it's, it's, you know, hunting and having like a connection with you for somebody with Blake and then me with Roy. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy that both of our best hunting buddies have died. I know. And we have, you have a tattoo for Blake. I have one for Roy. Mm-hmm. And it's just that if people, you know, aren't hunters, it probably wouldn't make as much sense as it does make to us mm-hmm. to where to always have that memorialized, their memory memorialized on our bodies. Right. right? Yeah. And uh, I know Blake was, <clears throat> I mean, you guys did a ton of hunting together. Then he didn't, what did he die from? Was it cancer? A brain cancer. Brain cancer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, we were hunting buddies since high school. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and him. We didn't have it. Like, there wasn't a group. It was me and him. Mm-hmm. We went. And we went all, you know, all over the West. Because I don't know what, in uh, like 98 or 99, discovered the hunting fool, right? Yeah. And it opened up new worlds. Yeah. I mean, there Getting wasn't one, applica- one piece of information out there like that. Mm-hmm. That was pioneering. And, yeah. you know, I don't have any opinions about this is good or that's bad. All I know is they put out information in a digestible format that mattered, mm-hmm. right? Tags, how to get them, where to get them, reviews on units, how point the draw systems work. You know, most people, they don't know, modified preference point system, preference point, bonus points. They don't, yeah. uh, we found out what all that meant and went, oh, mm-hmm. oh. It's like, unlo- it's like, it's like the code. You, you uh, deciphered the code right. to this because, yeah, I mean, when we first started, I know I never had money to be thinking about going to other states. Mm. It's like, you know, <laughs> I hunt Oregon. That's all my chips are in Oregon and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And then I, I think I hunted the, my first time hunting out of state was for elk was 2004. So I'd been bow hunting for 15 years before I ever went out of state Yeah. and went, then went to Wyoming, but it was, yeah. I mean, once those magazines came out and then Eastman's had, I think it's the members research supplement. Right. Similar. And they had a similar thing. And then that's where like, wait, so you can hunt different states? Still people who don't understand it say, how many elk can you kill? It's like, well, how many elk have states? (laughs) Or I mean, how many (laughs) many states have elk? How many tags can you get? How many tags can you get? Yeah. Because it's, you know, we're so used to killing one in Oregon. But then once we figured it out, it's like, well, wait. What if I could get a tag in multiple states and just go from hunt to hunt? So then that was like, it didn't seem real to be able to do that. That seemed like no way. That's for yeah. We, we Blake and I nicknamed that. We call it the Western Swing. 
Western swing. Yeah. Yeah. Because we'd have a couple tags, you know, we both have Oregon tags, we'd have Idaho tags. Maybe I'd have Idaho and he'd have Wyoming Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, uh, yeah, we just went and all those, that's back to the magazine thing. That was my expo. That was, those were my adventures. Those mm-hmm. were his adventures, right? We went and did and saw places. I mean, I'd never been in the mountains of Wyoming in September no. or Idaho, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's different. It's beautiful. And it's just like, oh, man. And mm-hmm. there's so many cool places. And we were kind of through hunting, and, and those, were, those were my adventures. Those were my, those were my Africa. Those were my Alaska. Those yeah. were all those. It's those adventures. You know, and yeah, it is, but it is back to your point. It is kind of strange that both our hunting buddies and best friends mm-hmm. passed away, you know, different ways. But yeah, Blake was a stud. Yeah. It's, you know, 49 brain cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, we worked together. I'm the, I was the best man at his wedding. Mm-hmm. Godfather to one of his kids. And, uh, that's a, that is a trip. Yeah. It, it's just, there's nothing that prepares you for that. Well, Roy was 49 too. Yeah. I mean, that's. Nowadays, that's so young. You know, when we're young, 49 seems old. I know. And now we're well past 49, or I am. Me too. And uh, then you think about that they both died at 49. It's like, man, you're just getting it figured out. We're just taking advantage of all these opportunities, you know, yeah. these hunts and this, you know, having a little more money and more time. And, and you yeah, know, exactly. they're gone. Yeah. And it's, uh, and I really, yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've hunted with anybody else. I, gotta, I can't think of. I mean, I go out with you, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I, like, I just got back from a trip from Colorado by yeah, myself. By yourself, yeah. yeah. And speaking of points, I had twenty antelope points because <laughs> <laughs> you know I just built. I started building points. Yeah, everywhere. and and you killed a nice buck. I did kill a nice buck. Yeah, yeah. and it was Colorado. You know, I never. I wasn't when I build points for like that in those states or some of those states. I'm I'm looking down the road. I don't think about it. And eventually I'll probably be able to get their best archery hunt, mm-hmm. you know, at my, at will so I can plan for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have the points, but since I'm busy all of September now, um, down there with Ron, it's, uh, it's like, well, my, what are my opportunities? It's like, well, October rifle hunt antelope. So, yeah, which happened. Yeah. No, I killed a nice buck. He's he'll, he'll go right at 80. I think it's a good, good buck. It's yeah. good go. But mm-hmm. The one thing is you build that many points and there's overrated hunts, right? Mm-hmm. Like my personal opinion and I don't know, Oregon may hate me, but there's a lot of people, antelope tags are limited in Oregon as mm-hmm. they were, are everywhere. Um, but I, I ran into a guy, <laughs> anyways, the points needed to get certain tags can be overrated. Mm-hmm. You know, hunts can be not that good, but they're popular for some reason. Yeah. Right. But how good is the actual hunt? Right. I just talked to a guy coming home from Colorado and he had a nice Utah bull in the back of his truck. And mm. They had like 17 points in Utah and got an outfitter and killed a nice bull. You, right? you he's know like, what unit it was? I don't. Yeah. He didn't say. Mm. And I didn't ask either. But he was, uh, he was, I was talk, told him, hey, I'm coming back from antelope hunting in Colorado. And he's like, oh, cool. He goes, I got, I got 25 antelope points. And I said, I'll tell you what, dude. I go, if I had 25 antelope points in Oregon, I'll trade you for 10 points in Wyoming right yeah. now, straight yeah. across. Maybe eight points in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's just, it's different levels, mm-hmm. you know, and there really are. This hunt in Colorado ended up being a really, really good hunt. Oh, good. Yeah. There were yeah. lots and lots of antelope. So my hat's off to Colorado on that unit. There were lots of antelope. Mm. They were accessible. They weren't all 
on private land, which is mm-hmm. something you got to be careful of too, drawn tags. Yeah. Um, might be a great unit, but you can't access them. Can't get to it. If yeah. You can't get on private land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were quality antelope. Mm-hmm. I looked at a whole bunch of antelope, you know, in the 70 to 75 range, 65 yeah. to 75, right? And in Oregon, that's big. <clears throat> Those are huge. Yeah, Oregon has produced some really, really big antelope, there's no doubt. But, you know, it's a numbers game with them, yeah. with predator control mm-hmm. and, you know, and other factors, of course. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> a perfect story of that is <laughs> a few years ago, my buddy had antelope tag. He had 18 points, you know, rifle rifle hunt. And I go, oh, I'll go help you. And then in Oregon, they're in August. Or that was, yeah, that was late August, early September. But that same year, me and him and his brother had I, they wanted to go to Wyoming and they had some points. So I go, mm-hmm. well, I know some spots I go. Mm-hmm. So we all put in Wyoming averages your points. Right. So we all drew and I go, I'll go with you. And, but I went and helped him on this Steens hunt and it was like, dude, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like three days. I saw like 20 antelope. Right. And is there, were there places in there that are probably better? Yes. Did we look at the whole unit? No. But overall, I'm like, yeah. So I told him, I go, listen, boys. I go, here's the deal. I go, when we go from Utah to Wyoming on I-80, I go, see a big sign that says, welcome to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I go, in the first 10 miles off the highway, <laughs> you will see more, more antelope and bigger bucks yeah. than we've seen this entire time right. in this deal. They're like, yeah. no way. And it, I told them, there's a sign, start looking. I know. <laughs> and they did. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. I've killed some, some good bucks in Wyoming, too. And it's just like, yeah. it used to be that if you put in for the... There was archery only tags, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, you were going to get it, and it was tough hunting, but mm-hmm. it was way better yeah. than Oregon waiting twenty years. Yeah, you know. And I, you know, and I started in Oregon because I wanted to brand. You know, elk, not like elk and deer were boring. I was doing that, but still, those adventures and the more unique stuff like antelope. Yeah, and not to mention, I really like the places they live. I mean, yeah, I like big the deserts. Desert. I mm-hmm. do, but it's just it seemed more adventurous. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a unique species and. um I started in Oregon when you could, I think it was 100% draw mm-hmm. um, for an antelope tag. And then, yeah, I branched out after that. Yeah. And I've hunted antelope almost every year for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. Between, Somewhere. Between here and Idaho, you hunt a lot too. <clears throat> yeah. Idaho used to be over the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still to this day have unlimited draws, mm. which is if you make it your first choice, you draw it for archery. I see. So I do that. and uh, But yeah, I just, I like them. I mm-hmm. like hunting them, and they just live in some crazy yeah. places. They're cool animals, too. Yeah. I mean, contrasting colors, striking in appearance, got that black on the head and the horns, and the, I mean, just cool animals. Yeah, and you can stock them all day yeah. long. Yeah. That's the deal. If you blow a stock, you yeah. just go over there and look some more, and there's another one. But if go you get can, that one. If you can spawn stock and kill an antelope with a bow... That's not the easiest thing there is to do. It's no. definitely good practice. There's a lot more stalking than killing. God. I don't yeah. know. I've crawled and laid in the middle of the, you know, I don't know. Even when you're laying down, you, I don't think you're hiding from them. They still see you. I think so. They look over and they go, there's a dude laying there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I know. <laughs> They're tough. They They're are. tough to spawn stock. I just can't sit water. I hate <sighs> sitting water. I have. Yeah. I, I'm an opportunist, man. Whatever works best. I hear you. And finding really good, reliable water spots isn't always easy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you 
I always keep that. I'm always trying to find that. And if I find it and it's good, I use it. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, well, there's one that's in a good spot. I think I can get there. And mm-hmm. so it's, there's just, a, it's just all day long. You stock and stock that's and move. Fun. And I mean, it's, it's not like mule deer where it's like that. They went in the brush, got to wait eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come out at night. Yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. They're, they're out there. I mean, they're usually visible. That's the cool thing about antelope. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was fun. But yeah, my hat's off to Colorado on that. They, that was 20 point and well worth it. I don't know how many t- points it t- took to guarantee it. It was probably up there. Mm. But I also wanted to do, uh, ex- I wanted to go, of course. I mean, in the travel, I went through six states getting there. Mm. You know, I'm coming back. And yeah, it was, I drove a road that I'd never drove, one way I went that I've never gone before. Kind of mm. back roads I'll drive sometimes, smaller yeah. highways, because the interstate gets boring. Right. And so just exploring, looking at new stuff. Yeah. New stuff. Yeah. Daylight, Vernal, Utah, man. I woke up <laughs> or <laughs> I woke up. I had my camper so I could pull over and sleep where yeah. I am. And I just woke up, drove into town. It was, you know, it's a beautiful place, beautiful sunrise. I had a breakfast and just kept driving. Tough to beat that. Pretty good. Had antelope tenderloin that night. Awesome. That's living. It is living. Well, is. the, uh, the first time I think we hunted together, wasn't it 2010 for... It was 2010, yeah. Yeah, so there, people don't get it twisted. So we, we were hunting this bull called the Ranch Bull. And, and people anytime you say that, people say, oh, you're hunting a high fence game ranch or whatever the fuck. No. Did they see it on Google Earth? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, people make all sorts of stupid yeah. assumptions. But anyway, it was called the Ranch Bull because this property there... People call it the Powers Ranch. It's just th- thousands of acres. But he was like the basically king shit on Turd Island mm-hmm. there. And he was the mm-hmm. ranch bull. He ran the show, basically. Yeah. Well, it is the Powers Ranch, but it's not what people would envision. But no, no, no. A lot of things aren't, you know. I mean, it's coastal logging country. Mm-hmm. With some of that There's unique... There's no high fence <laughs> at keeping elk in or out or you anything know. like that. And it's bordered on... Two sides by public land. Yeah, national forest. And BLM on one side. Yeah. And private timber company stuff and other. And plenty of people are getting in there. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, whatever. Yeah, these elk, yeah, these are as wild as it gets. And I don't know, people, yeah, I've, there aren't any unwild elk unless you're in a zoo. Right. Or, you know, one of them weird places where they kill one that's 680 inches. Yeah, that's usually high fence Idaho, I yeah, think. Yeah, that, that. Elk came from a place about as big as this studio. Yeah. And it's like, that that's different, of course. But, right. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the ranch bull wasn't, he was, uh, he was a tough one for us. I mean, because we're hunting basically one animal on, like I said, 20-some thousand acres. Yeah. And it's thick timber. You know, it's, you know, coast country. It's, um, there are some logging units, but, and yeah. there's some meadows in that, some of the high prairie country is what we call it. But for the most part, those elk are sticking to the timber. And mm. so we, I think it took us, man, I don't know. How many days did we, were we down there? It was five. Well, we planned the whole week, I believe. Yeah. So and, like five days, finally we're sitting, we're in, uh, yeah. I, one of our favorite spots down there midday. And heard a bugle. Today's podcast sponsor is Santa Cruz Medicinals. And it's a company I'm proud to talk about because I've been using their CBD products for years. We use a CBD beef tallow to cook our elk steaks. And their CBD cream is one of the best things I've used post-run to help ease the pain in my muscles. 
They make an array of potent CBD formulas. To be effective, CBD has to be dosed properly, and Santa Cruz Medicinals has those potent dosages. They make CBD deep sleep caps, pain creams, magnesium, beef tallow, which can be used as a moisturizer or for cooking, MCT oil, and more. Check them out at scmedicinals.com and use the code KEEPHAMMERING for 15% off and free shipping in the USA. And we're like trying to figure out which way it was. I remember I was pointing one way. Jody Sear was with us. He's pointing the other way. Maybe you were pointing both ways. I don't know. Yeah. If that. I'm not sure how it worked, but it was somewhere around noon or maybe even afternoon. We're waiting for the evening hunt. We're just, you know, kind of chilling out, waiting for the, for the elk to get active. And we heard this bull. So we thought, sound like the ranch bull, you know, because the night before, I'm, I think you and Jody saw him up on the skid road up on top, didn't you? Yeah, we did. That's when Jody filmed him. Um, Tearing up the road. And Jody was calling. I didn't call at him. Yeah. I, I just, I saw him. I got down. Jody was behind me. We kind of came up the same spot. We didn't know each other there. Well, Jody cow called out in a little bit. Yeah. And was filming him. And that bull got pissed off. Oh, God. And he was mad. And I was like, I was watching this. And I'm like, that, that's unique. That's interesting elk behavior. That's like. That's elk behavior of bulls that like have a lot of competition and, you know, and you see those big herds and multiple big bulls and they mm. get busy. Yeah. And they're aggressive they're and have to Very be. aggressive. And he didn't have any of that. A couple satellite bulls around, I'm sure. Yeah. But nothing to challenge him. No. But he was still like that. Yeah. He was just honoring. <laughs> he was not having it. And giant like bodied. It. Oh my oh, God. That thing God. was huge. That's still the biggest, that's by far the biggest elk I've personally handled. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I mean, you could, you look at the girth of his chest and you're, you're, you're start cutting and you lift a hind corner up. You're like, oh my. Yeah. He was, I think 12 or 13 years old is what we were figuring. Yeah. I think that's what Ron said. And mm-hmm. he'd known him his whole life, you know, he mm-hmm. knew that bull and cause he looks at those bulls all the time. Yeah. He's out there. Ron's out there. He used to be in charge of, you know, well, he's in charge of the, of the land basically as far as keeping track of everything and. But he was also did all the logging there and a lot of the yeah. road building there for many years mm-hmm. for the Powers family and then the leases on the timber company land. But so he's out there basically all the time, lives in Powers, Oregon. It's like there's no place else to go. So you kind of go to the woods and scout around, check timber, check roads. And so he had seen this bull for years. Yeah. And that's where the name of the ranch bull came up. So we thought, well, there's this there's this other guy, uh, this big money <laughs> governor hunt guy. But bought an expensive tag to build a hunt basically anywhere in Oregon um, from, I think, September 1st to December 1st. Any weapon. Any weapon. Any open legal hunt. Yep. And so basically he wanted to kill a giant Roosevelt. You know, some of these big money guys, a Roosevelt is kind of one of the toughest ones. It's not one you can just throw money at. You know, a lot of these other ones you can throw money at and get on this, on these premium properties. But Roosevelt elk are usually not like that. So he wanted to kill a giant bull. And I know he looked, went to a few different places was, or talked to people hearing about how big a bulls they had. Right. Well, down in this country where the ranch bull was, there was another giant bull. And I can't remember what they probably had a name. I think Ron called him the 4200 bull. Was that it? I think 4200. So. Yeah. So that's just a logging road up there. For yeah. The it's, 4, a, it's a main line. Yeah. So uh, freaking Warnock. <laughs> 
goes down there and he's uh you know rifle hunting in september which whatever it's legal for that tag hey good on him yeah took advantage of it and he killed a big bull giant giant bull like a was about 330 yeah i think it was 330 and you got to think you know uh boone and crockett roosevelt is 290 so 290 is like an all-time animal and to get a bull 40 inches over that at 330 is just incredible. Yeah. It's, it's uh, one of the biggest Roosevelt bulls you'll probably ever see. Well, he killed this and we got down there and he was leaving and, you know, we were cussing Warnock for killing a giant bull and during our bow season and <laughs> just, dude, you know, it mostly took, just talking shit. It took years <laughs> <laughs> before I think it was kind of known that that way we were joking. Yeah. Yeah. We're totally joking. Because we were joking. Fuck Warnock. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. And it was a joke. It was like, God, right. that guy got that bull. You know, like you said, good on him. I know, hey. I mean, he you have the wrong. resources. You're after a certain thing. I know. If that allows you to do it, good on you, man. No. Wasn't breaking the law. No, no, You're no. doing exactly what I would do. Me too. And But that doesn't mean we can't talk shit about it. That is does not mean we can't make fun. <laughs> And yeah. we will make fun of you. And it was just good, good-hearted <laughs> fun. But so our goal was like... You know, he got that, the 4,200 bull, but the ranch bull was still there. Yeah, second up. And to kill the ranch bull with a bow was like, we knew it was going to be tough. Five days in, had that bull going. So we had a setup where, you know, we wanted to film. So Jody was on the camera. You were calling because, and I want to hear about your passion for calling, but you're, you're the best elk caller I've ever been around. So anyway, we thought, well... If we get this bull to come out of the timber, out into this meadow, God, that'd be perfect footage, right? It's in the sun, bright oh, sun. Yeah. It's like going to be epic. And so we set up. Here, ranch bull comes in. He's all hyped up. But of course, like an old bull, he's not going to just walk into the open. Mm. We were just like, you know, you have, in, you have in your head that, man, this would be perfect if it worked like this. Right. Those elk are like usually not interested in making good movies. No. So he stuck to the timber and I had this little window to shoot through. And I thought I had a pretty good idea where he was, you know, where his shoulder was. And I thought, okay, I got a right behind the shoulder. Anyway, I hit high and back. It's like 35 yards. And uh, long story short, we gave him a couple hours. I went in there and we're sitting there thinking, okay, I think it's pretty good. So we'll get in there and, you know, see what happens, do this blood trail so we had lunch, waited a couple hours, went back in there, and you're following blood, and you're just like, it's not looking great. And then we heard a bugle, and it sounded sort of, I'm like, ah, it's guess not. There's no way that's a ranch bull. The ranch bull's dead up here. It's not right. going to be bugling. Right. It sounded kind of weak. But then the second time he bugled, we were just like, oh, my God, that's a fucking ranch bull. <laughs> that's him. Bugling. Yeah. And we're just like, what in the hell? So I just told you guys, I said, well, this is like my famous last words. Let me go, let me go clean <laughs> this mess, mess up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good at cleaning up messes, but that's what happens if you're make shitty shots, I guess. Well, taking something's life isn't sterile. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be tough. You know, any, uh, you got a wild animal, you got an arrow. And you're trying to kill that thing. Yeah. And it's over a thousand pound animal. It's, uh, sometimes it's going to be perfect. Sometimes you're going to pinwheel them. They're going to go 50 yards, pile up. Love it. Sometimes. Not so much. That doesn't happen. No. And it's just reality. I don't, 
humans are, we're weird people. We're weird creatures, man. We don't, I don't know why we don't always lay everything out on the table, but we don't. It's yeah. got to be some evolutionary advantage to that, right? Yeah. Just to be completely honest about everything. Mm-hmm. But we're not. No. And it's not like we're evil people. No. We just don't divulge everything about everything. And you turn things into what you want. You do. Not reality. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, on that one, we were finally faced with the facts that Ranch Bull is bugling. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> he's not definitely not dead. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. So I took my boots off, left you guys there, and I'm like snuck up there and thank God got up to that skid road and uh, peeked out on the skid road. And there he was standing there quartering away looking at me. And I'm 25 yards. I drop back lean over. And by that time I was just like, I just need to get, get an arrow in them. You quarter in ways yeah. good. Cause you can be like a few feet either way and you're getting something you're right. getting, you know, guts to, to long quarter in a way. That's a big target. Something. And so I've got one in them quarter in way and it ended up catching up back up to him. I, I shot, I'm, I'm almost positive every arrow in my quiver, but got him killed, came back, classic footage. You guys had the camera, Jody had the camera set up recording. I was just like, you guys were like waiting for the report and I walk up. I remember my zippers down on my on my pants. Really? Like this camera was just like, just from my, it wasn't even my head. It was like from my bottom of my chest down and I got no boots on. And I remember my zipper being down on this footage. I have the footage somewhere, but all oh, I said was funny. Ranch Bull's dead, kids. <laughs> and we were just like fucking just going crazy. So yeah. excited. Finally did it. And it worked. And he was a giant. Yeah, that's and that's uh I had I at the time, you know, what do you think? I, I was sitting just to myself, I was going, eh, this ain't good. No. The odds are you're not gonna kill that bull mm-hmm. or get him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I'm, I play odds. I mean, what's what's the most likely thing to happen? And uh, that wasn't likely, but you did it. And that's that's impressive. Um, but yeah, no, that to kill one specific bull mm-hmm. in, in that place or any other place, that's, for the most that's part, hard. is difficult. Very hard. There's yeah, a lot of things that go wrong. And um, they can be a lot of different places. Yeah. I mean, you might never find them again. I mean, that, then that other big bull that we killed just a couple of years ago, Nobody had ever seen it. No. So they can just disappear or show up or, yeah, I mean, to, so to, to earmark one bull in, in country like this where it's low fence, wild country, big country, um, coast range thick. I mean, the odds of like, oh, I want to kill this one. I don't even know what the odds would be at that. I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I would say maybe 10% to get an opportunity. What would you think? Yeah, they're they're not high. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not high because it, it's just it's a tough circumstance, and you know that's to pick one particular elk. But if you're going okay, I'm going to shoot that one cow, and you could spray paint her. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to kill that one, and to yeah. get the opportunity to do that, it's 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 a lot more difficult. Yeah, to do that. You know? Oh, yeah, so hard. Well, um, so ultimately, you called in the ranch bull, got an arrow in him, was a shitty shot. 
got, ended up getting killed. But so how has, I mean, where did calling fit into your elk hunting repertoire? <clears throat> were, were you, did you call from your first elk hunt or did it kind of evolve to be a passion? Um, and I was thinking about that too, driving one of these deals. You I had do my, a lot of thinking. I had my own podcast. I have my own podcast all the time. It's just in my head. Right. Sometimes I talk out loud and I look over and the trucker's looking at me like I'm nuts. But, you know, hey, what's whatever, called? man. What's the podcast called? <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that? Stay uh, in your lane. There used to be something on Cinemax, like some late night shit. Skin, Skinamax. Skinamax. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, it reminded me of... God, I had the name of the show. But anyway, I think it'd be a good name for your show, whatever it was. But now I can't remember it. Excellent. But anyway, go ahead. But yeah, so um, I don't know. I was thinking about that, and I was like, how old was I? I think went to the uh, Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show, right? What, which one's that, in Eugene or Portland? No, the one in Portland. Okay, yeah. Is that what it's called? North Pacific something Northwest? Like yeah. I, I believe yeah. it's the Pacific something Northwest like Sportsman Show, yeah. Anyways, I go there. I couldn't drive, so my, I made my mom take me. Mm-hmm. And I think my little brother was with us too, but he was eight years younger than I, so he was little. And uh, I was like, I just wanted to go. I mean, that stuff just, she knew it too. She knew yeah. it. And I was like, so I just started going around. Well, Wayne Carlton was there. Mm. Man in his own booth. He's a legend. A, a long time ago. Cowboy hat on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is the 80s. Right. And, uh, and oh man, he couldn't, I feel bad now, but I mean, I didn't know. He didn't, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. You're my right. mom had to come get me and take me away. <laughs> He was really super nice, but I must have annoyed the shit out of him. But I wouldn't leave. Yeah. And I had a call, right? And then that, I got one of his calls. What were you doing? I just thought it was such the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Were I you talking I to him or just kind of loitering? I probably just standing there like a dumbass. <laughs> you were humping his leg like a I dog. I was full were you? on loitering. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he thought I was autistic or something. Man. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Security was pretty laxed. So <laughs> good for you. Good yeah, on you. Yeah. And so I, but anyways, was he calling? He was, he'd okay. call. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I mean, I was like, Oh my God, that's it. Yeah. I go, that is it. Hmm. So I had one of his calls and I said, dude, I take it to school. Mm -hmm. I had one read. Hmm. That's it. And I don't know. I got it. <clears throat> Did I you buy a tape? To listen no. to, to know how to call. Because no, some people used to listen to those little cassette tapes, like Larry Jones had some of those. I did have a, I did, I do remember Larry Jones, just audio. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I did just have a one cassette of those, tape. Yep, I did, put it in your truck. I did have one of those at one time, but mostly it was just on memory, mm. you know, and what what you'd hear. And uh, so, yeah, I started, and I can't, the calls weren't, I mean, some people have a really tough time with the read, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. that it worked pretty good for me. I could make elk sounds like pretty quick. And then I practiced all, I just practiced all the time. Yeah. And that's what I did. Right. And I think in mm, 1994, I went to the RMEF show. And when, you remember when they used to move around different cities? Yeah. It was in Denver. Yeah. So I flew there. Oh, nice. Just to for the do the world, calling? for the world champion elk calling yeah. deal. Because a former world champion had an archery shop in Clackamas there. Oh. Dieter. Okay. Oh, Dieter. K-Ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah. And Dieter was a really good caller, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he goes, dude, you're a really good caller. You need to go to that. Mm. So I go, okay. So I went and I, I got, I got, but there were no division. Now this changed dramatically, of course. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time. But um, it was just 
like dudes and chicks, mm-hmm. men and women. That's it. No transgender. It was binary. Oh, bi- so you, I wonder if you could have been the non-binary champion. You might have tried back then. Yeah. You probably would have got beat up in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> I well, not, now it's liberal. Denver's very liberal. Well, not back then. Not in that room. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, that room, not so liberal. Yeah, there are a lot of cowboy hats there. You might not have, you might not want to run. I think we all can agree. No one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to GrooveLife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. But anyways, yeah, it, uh, I got fourth place. Did you? And believe it or not, guess who was sitting there? Wayne Carlton. Really? Was he yeah. a judge or? No, he was just sitting in the audience. Okay. And being the Wayne Carlton stalker I was, yeah. I went and sat with him. <laughs> and he looks, I'll never forget, he looks over at me, he goes, he goes, you, sh- you should have won that contest. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's coming from that guy. Yeah, I'm that like, means something. That means something. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other guys too, it's not like they were looking at me going, you can't win. But he goes, he goes, that's really cool. He goes, you were making some cool sounds. Mm-hmm. I actually got deducted for doing a sound that everybody does now. And of course the, the guys, I don't know why it is from the Southeast United States, you mm-hmm. get hundred guys and they name stuff, mm. you know, you ever notice that? Like what? Um, they name things and procedures <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and stuff like they just have unique names for stuff. And they had it with elk calling. They had, well, it- look at the, look at the primo stuff, right? Yeah. Which were. I mean, they were innovative calls. Yeah. They really were. Um, I I very seldom use anything but a read. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you got Hot Lips, Hoochie Mama. Those are the kind of names I'm talking about. It's always those guys coming up with them. Don't don't be talking shit about my cowgirl. You <laughs> know cow you love girl. You know you love that call. Oh, yeah. Hey, my new one is fucking sweet, dude. Is it better? <laughs> Can't be worse. <laughs> It kind of sounds like a fawn in distress. So I always think a bear or a coyote or something's going to run in. Hey, whatever. A lion? Yeah. Hey, I got tags for everything. I know. Yeah. That was an amazing lion hunt this year. If you just call for an elk, you're kind of limiting yourself. I call for everything. Deer, bear, lion, elk. You never know what's coming in. That's tough logic to argue with. <laughs> Can't beat that. Yeah, no. So I, anyways, I started calling and I just, I enjoyed calling, you know, and I, like I said, I could, I could mimic the sounds well, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Other people thought it was good too. So what, what did you do that you got deducted <clears throat> for? Um, I think they started calling the, it the lip ball, oh, right? Hmm. And I learned it from a guy who was kind of a pseudo inventor type guy. And I guess his background was in like music and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's making these kind of trying to make these elk calls and they were a thumb push button elk call. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something similar new on the market with mm-hmm. that right now, as a matter of fact, but he was making that and I thought, oh, that's and he could make them sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. They weren't easy to use. Um, but he would do this sound and I'm like, I go, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, I'm pursing my lips like a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. With a reed? Yeah. Okay. So you purse your lips and you, it, it's, it's this buzzy deal. And I remember looking at my scorecard. I did that and they call it the lip ball. And now it's pretty standard. A lot mm-hmm. of people do it. <clears throat> it kind of mimics that screaming part of it. Yeah. 
You know, and there's more than just a high pitched deal. There's yeah. they got some they get to the scream. Oh those, yeah. those big bulls. Well, it's a way, you know, to to mimic that that, you know, sounds pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um and so I did that. I remember looking at two of my scorecards and the judges wrote too buzzy mm. and that stuff. I'm like, oh. Yeah. That was but intentional. It was it wasn't very many years later if you did it ever you know, you had to do it, basically make that kind of sound in some fashion or another. Yeah. Or, you know, you probably weren't making enough sounds. Yeah, because I mean, them. if you just do the three-note bugle, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not setting yourself apart. So they want a, a variety of sounds because you have to cow call too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cow calf and then bull sounds, and they make a lot of sounds. I remember the first time, and I think it was in Vegas. I think in 2014. Hmm. Um, I met up with you there, and I, I hadn't been called. That's the next time, right? I go, oh, I need to get back into this calling stuff. Yeah, and. Give it another shot, right? It, you get busy with life and careers. And Is that when we did that run? <clears throat> did we do a run there? We didn't do a run. Oh, we didn't. Not that time. Huh. But I had, a, I, had all, I had a bunch of keep hammering gear. Yeah. I, I remember doing sure. a run there. I was there for the Rocky Mountain Elk show, but maybe you just didn't go. But anyway, so how'd that one go? Um, got fourth again. Yeah. But now there were, men, you know, professional division and men's yeah. and, and this and that. And so... Um, I didn't win the state. Oregon had one state. Oregon state one, and I believe I won that one time. Hmm. It was in Salem. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I, I wasn't consistent. It's not like I thought, oh, I'm going to these, and I should have been. You yeah, know? like that wasn't your goal every day <laughs> to was, be. It was not my goal. World out calling champion. No, yeah. and you know, and you probably need to set that goal because mm-hmm. there are some really outstanding yeah. callers out there. Yeah, I mean, I remember listening to Corey Jacobson for the first time, and I was like, well, in '94, his dad Rocky Jacobson mm-hmm. won it. And I remember listening to him going, oh boy. Yeah. I go. Next level. That's the next level. Mm-hmm. I, I just listened to those sounds he could make. I was like, okay, yeah, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not that good. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And Corey's just, boy, they can make sounds. Yeah. Good sounds. Um, to me, I mean, that's our human interpretation of it. Right. Um, Hard to know what the elk are thinking. Yeah. You know. But if they're convinced, I've seen elk be convinced on shitty calls too. Is a crazy thing, you know? So it's like, you know, we put our spin on it, what sounds good to us, but who knows what the hell these bulls are thinking. Yeah, you know, and I think it's probably more instinctual for them, I yeah. imagine. I mean, I've I always, always thought- say it's like if somebody knocks on the door, my dogs are going ape shit. Right. Every time. So yep. it's like you make that sound and the animal are they're just they're just gonna respond. They just, yeah. it's just what they do. It's like, oh, th- this sound, I do this. And uh, maybe not thinking about it too much. It's just a reaction. But right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, <clears throat> but I always equate it back to, and I've heard you say it a hundred times. People are like, well, you don't got to, you don't got to be a good caller to kill elk. Mm-hmm. No, you don't actually. Yeah. Um, there's, there are times in those elk in the right situation, in the right place at the right time, you could go in there and be a really crappy caller, mm-hmm. make enough of an elk sound. And a bull will come in any color. And yeah. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. But it doesn't happen a lot. Right. And I always equate it back to like turkey calling or duck calling or goose calling, right? Now they got tiny little brains. Mm-hmm. Tiny. Except everybody's fascinated with making the perfect duck call or the right. perfect goose call. Why do they have contest? Yeah. Why is that? They're stupid animals. They're stupid birds <laughs> with a tiny little pea-sized right. brain. Right. Except we try to mimic them as closely as possible. So I'm thinking it must matter to some degree. Yeah. And elk have, if your brain size, much bigger brain. Much bigger brain. Than a bird. 
Yes. I mean, I, I think sometimes if they're super wound up, maybe not, but how often are they super wound up? Usually they're not fired up usually is somewhere in between. Right. And so maybe that quality of call makes a difference right there. Cause if they're just seeing red, I'm not sure it matters. Yeah. You throw a cow call, calf call, half ass bugle, if a bull call, my, my, my fucking cow, <laughs> yeah, cow girl, girl work on that one and get ready. Yeah. But other than times like that, it's like, I think your calls are so authentic sounding to me. Um, is I think it makes a difference, but let's, I want to hear you do a call. Let's do something. Okay. Like, let's, let's give the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> I got to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about what calls. Um, these are Phelps calls. Mm-hmm. So Jason Phelps, I've known Jason. I met him a long, long time ago. So I'm at a few calling contests stuff. Really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're not close friends, but yeah. you know, I've met him. I know him. We've hung around a really nice guy. And uh, I'm happy for his success. I think he's, you know, fantastic business kicking ass. I think he's part of meat eater now. Yeah, or something, I, think but. They, I think they bought the call company. So, but yeah, he still, I believe he still runs it and stuff. But anyways, uh, really nice guy, and he really made some fantastic calls. He actually at one point made a couple competition calls for me mm. because the stretches and kinds of latex and the tighter stretches and thicknesses of latex, um, like I rarely use a single read call. Mm. It, I push too hard on it. I'll break it. Yeah. And I, I just use a lot of With tongue. With your tongue, yeah. Yeah, I use a lot of tongue pressure, and mm-hmm. so usually a triple read call I would. Mm. But it limits you in the range of sounds you can make, but it was durable mm-hmm. and it made the lower end stuff easier to do. The growls. Yeah. And, yeah. and cow calls and cat oh, calls. Okay. Um, cause they, they're, they're on a lower, they're not that high pitch stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of start out that way, like, yeah. but there's a, there's a low part to that right. and a drop off. And that for me anyways, that's way harder to do with the, with the light latex, mm. especially if it's tight stretch, light, uh, single read type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier for me to do. And he, he messed with the sizes of the frames, you know, cause some people have, everybody's got a different palette right. with the mind's narrow. Mm. And another reason I used Wayne Carlin's calls for so long is they were an aluminum horseshoe frame. Mm-hmm. And so I could bend it. Right. So I bent your it. mouth. And I'd get a really tight seal up in there, mm-hmm. which is critical. Yeah. And so a fiberglass, something like that, would that didn't work for me. So I could mm-hmm. bend it, but that bending also changed the stretch of the latex. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned on really like loo- a loose kind of latex because I'd bend my, and I'd trim my calls because they didn't fit. The skirt would be big. And so I'd have to trim that with scissors till I got a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <clears throat> it's all nerding out on call stuff, but uh, <laughs> but the uh, but Jason, he God, he makes good calls, and yeah. he makes a medium frame. It's narrow. It fits me better. I don't have to bend anything. The pallet deal, I don't I don't need that. Some people kind of that helps. Is them that get a metal there? It is metal. Yeah, yeah. it makes a. It kind of helps people get that seal up in there. Mm-hmm. I never had a problem doing that. I mean. Um, but you have to have it, and that kind of helps. Hmm. So, but they make good. This call, of course, uh, probably used for two years now. And after season, I put them in there, and they don't come out till the next season. But it's kind of grody. But anyway, <coughs> but that low part. That's hard to. Good. That's hard to do with the other deal. That sounds good. So, yeah. So, I mean, and the rest of the, the range of all those other sounds, that's 
that's just trying to mem- you know mimic what they do and they make there are the high notes <clears throat> that I think a lot of people make really realistic high notes I mean mm-hmm. they sound good out yeah. of a lot of calls the chuckling that's hard for some people that yours sounds so realistic to me the chuckles are that, that's a game that there's yeah. a there, there's that's a certain I can, yeah. I can tell a hunter or a bull based on that the high stuff I can't fucking tell the I, difference I know but you get to that low and I'm like immediately hunter yeah it's but the, with you it's fucking <laughs> fucking it's tough dude the chuckles are there there that kind of sets people apart mm-hmm. is being able to I don't know exactly how I mimic those chuckles but it sounds like they sound to me yeah so I'm like me okay too. and there's you know there's some people like uh Dirk Durham, mm-hmm. you know, multi-time world champion in the men's division. Um, yes, I took fourth place to him twice. <laughs> then I quit going, but um, the uh, he he's got a chuckle. It's just fantastic, and there's just there's just something to that. But I'm with you. Yeah, you can. People will do a chuckle, and they can't get the right tones and stuff out mm-hmm. of that, and the cadence. Yeah, sometimes, and it just it's. With an external call, it's really super hard to do. Usually the cadence is too quick. Uh, hunters do it too quick is yeah. what I notice. Yeah, you hear that high, you're like, that's a bull, that's a bull. And then you hear that. Yeah, then you're like, oh, God. Yeah, that's, Freaking that's dipshits. That's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, um, there's been a couple times that I've, I have been fooled a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I, I'm always doubtful, though. Yeah. I'm never, I'm like, oh, that's a bull. That's like the whole... I smoked him, killed him, dead. Yeah, perfect shot. Perfect shot. Yeah. There's a lot of animals that Two never get recovered later. that were a perfect shot. Yeah. Or, you know, a long yeah. time, that, per- that not a perfect shot. Mm-hmm. The rule is you got to touch them. <laughs> Until but, you touch it, it's not a perfect shot. Even like this year, we had some bulls going, but then I heard I heard the bugle cross away, and there's a bugle, and I'm like, uh, and then... <laughs> 30 seconds later, another bugle, same spot. I'm like, fucking hunters. Yeah. You know, it's just people get so amped up when they do call. Yeah. You know, you should call and then nothing for a while. Agreed. And then, but people like once they start calling, it's an onslaught. And because yeah. people just want to call because they, they figure that the more you call, the, the quicker this bull is going to get in the quicker I'm going to achieve my dream and, and get this thing on the ground. So it's like, it's, it's almost like this isn't going to happen until I call. And so the more I call, I'm increasing it or just excited or something, but yeah, I, th- I can tell a hunter because too much calling. Yeah. Sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's an urgency, right? Mm-hmm. You're like there, you're set up. Okay, here we go. I'm doing this thing. I'm calling and then nothing. Yeah. And that's no dopamine hit. Yeah. That's nothing. No. And so your urgency, like, oh, he's got it. And so they call more. And there are times to call a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know me, I'm pretty reserved with my calling. Yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of times we were hunting, you're like, yeah, dude, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, no, okay. I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah, give her a whistle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's try it. And because yeah. I'm just reserved. And down there, too, at Powers, a lot of times those bulls aren't that vocal. No. I mean, Roosevelt's in general, I think that's kind of a rule of thumb as people know they're not quite as vocal as Rockies. Yeah. There's times when they do are going ape shit, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not super often for no. sure. No, I haven't heard them, you know, 13 years have been going down there and, uh, I haven't heard it just, I mean, they just, it's not something like a New Mexico, Arizona no, or stuff, you know, I've, in other places where, I mean, there's times 
back to the call calling deal, I mean, if you get into enough elk and enough bulls bugling and all that stuff, it doesn't matter if you bugle or not. They mm-hmm. don't care. Yeah. You're just one more bull. Yeah. And well, that's where like, I mean, I know you love to call and you know me. I just love to kill. You want to stalk them. <laughs> well, I don't care, but I, I just want to kill. And right. I'm just like, hey, wh- whatever I got to do. And most, I mean, not most of the time, but I, I don't know how many, I'm not sure. We've cut a lot of bulls together. and You've uh, stalked more than we've called in. Yeah. Now, calling has been involved, like that one we hit up, you know, middle of the day. Which, yeah. Time was ticking yeah. and you, I could tell it's, you were like, you were urgent. You were like, dude, we have, we can't just, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. We're going out and we're, you know. Yeah. Got a, respo- got a response so and then, left and left and he came back yep. and stalked down there and killed and then i killed him with no calling but right we located him with your middle of the day bugle yeah just but uh yeah i mean shot. We're, i i'm just like yeah calling him in is awesome i mean who doesn't want to see a big bull coming in just slobbering and right you know going ape shit but i'm just like if you know if i can sneak in there and they'll never know i'm there that works too yeah. So. And there's only a little bit of the year where it's uh, an effective thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, there's just only so many times and, and at times and if done correctly, it can be extreme uh, effective as anything else. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so the odds are in your favor, but then again, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I don't, I don't always want the, cause they're staring at you. Once you call, yeah. you just, they know they're dialed in. They're dialed. They, they know, know exactly right, where you're at. Right where that sound came from. And you just put them on alert. Yeah. It's just like if there's something, if you're in your house and something falls in one of the rooms, you know where what room that was. You know exactly what room. And probably what fell. And what fell. Right. So it's <laughs> the bulls are no different. They hear something. They know exactly where that came from. From a long way. So ways. they're walking in going right there. And right. then when you move or they see a human silhouette, yeah, game over. Yeah. So yeah, you I that's I'm always hesitant about drawing attention to where I am now, if you have a caller, like if you're there and I can be off on the side or something like right. that, then that's, that's obviously ideal. There's a theory called the triangle theory where you got the bull coming in, then you're making a triangle between the caller and the shooter. You pull right. the bull right past the shooter to the caller and then you get the broadside shot. Yeah. Looks good on paper. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times those bulls want to circle downwind. And so if you haven't, you know, taken that into account, but, um, when you do the cow and calf call, so do you have, is there, is there logic in there or are you just mixing them up? Just different cow and calf sounds. Yeah. Um, the only time I have a set sequence, uh, would during the calling contest, you know, and I haven't mm-hmm. been to those in years, but whatever during those, because I saw how good those guys were and how polished they were, mm-hmm. I would practice for those. I, would, I went, Whoa, these guys are good and they're mm-hmm. consistent and they're Paul and they had routines. Yeah. And because a minute on stage goes by pretty freaking quick, yeah. it seems like. So I was like, oh boy, I need to step it up and I need to have a routine and to cover X, X, and Y, I need to make those sounds. Mm-hmm. Out hunting, I mean, do I specifically think about a call? Um, like sometimes just like doing a calf call, because calf calls are pretty distinctive. You know, they're yeah. only, how old are they? Four months old? Yeah. When we're there in September hunting, calves are four months old. They, they, they've got a unique call. Mm-hmm. They can be super vocal. Well, like those three calves we had run in. Yeah, yeah. Here they come, all three on a dead run. Yeah. 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 And they have, they have a real, so I'll think about just doing a calf call, calf call. sometimes. But okay. mostly it's just, a, it's mixed it a in. A variety. A variety of sound stuff. like a herd. Yeah, or, you know, because that's what they sound like. Mm-hmm. 
But back to your point real quick about, you know, calling too much and stuff. Yeah, that's that's a strategy. I mean, that's something I do a lot. It's like, okay, you hear a guy, you hear a call, you hear a call, you hear a call, and you're like, eh, the, 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 the cadence of that and the timing of that. So I go, what do elk do? I go, a lot of times, you know, you hear a bull, and we spend the next 15 minutes arguing or discussing or doing that, yeah. trying to figure out where it was. Well, he shut up for 15 minutes, or yeah. we didn't hear him. Right. And so it's like, why don't I call and shut up for 15 minutes? Yeah, that's that's what's, that's where humans, they don't do that. Because it's not, you know, a bull, it's natural for them. Yeah. We're mimicking something that's not natural. <laughs> and we want it to happen now. Yeah, so we're that's where we're <laughs> way, yeah. way over anxious. So on. just like a single cow call or just a just a quick chuckle or something and then nothing. Just that's what's hard. I mean, when I do a cow, when I cow call, it's usually three. And I don't know why. I know. Because it's like two is like, oh, maybe just need one more out there. I just, think we think the last one's going to be the best one. <laughs> I don't know. But I think the key, if you could just do one and shut the fuck shut up, up, that would it's be hard. Dude, you know what I do? So hard. I set a timer on my phone. Mm. If I'm playing that game, right? yeah. if I'm playing that slow game and not knowing and all that stuff, I mean, I call and then I set a timer because to teach myself, and I did it before, it was hard, but to teach myself... What's sitting there for 10 minutes, you know, thinking about stuff and not hearing what you want to hear is, really looks like. Yeah. And you're like. It seems like two hours. Oh, dude, it's been six minutes. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's just, so it's that patient or just doing something a little bit different. Yeah. Like I say, there's, I'm sure there's guys that do it. There's no doubt. There's people that do everything. But um, I don't know how many times, you know, you hear an elk call, a cow call or something, and then nothing for a while. You're just mm -hmm. like, well, you know, you're having the big, what, that yeah. Oh, should we walk down? I don't know which way the wind blowing, and all this stuff. And it's like, well, why don't why don't I do that? Yeah. So because they're calling for a reason. Yeah. They're trying to something. communicate. They're not just making calls just to hear themselves. No. No. Yeah. They the the communication by them. I mean, the bulls were bugling this morning. Yeah. Still, they were they were squeaking and doing this stuff when we were bear hunting, and I was just like, oh, they're still, yeah, still going a little bit. Not you know nothing raging. Right. And um, but. Yeah, there's nothing that I do that's like, I don't have a routine or a specific thing, right. but I do specifically try different stuff on bulls, right? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'll just grunt. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll just, no chuckles, and I'll just scream. Is it just by feel or just by listening to them or just it's, taking a chance? It's throwing something against yeah. the wall, see if it sticks. sticks. Yeah, uh, that's all it is. And did, So do you bugle with that one, same read? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear that fucker. Uh, it's going to come. No, no tube, but tubes make a big difference, by the they way. Do. Huge, they do. They do. I think the audio is going to pick it up okay in this room. Yeah. I, don't, there, I think there's a <laughs> mic under here. Yeah. <laughs> there's a mic on my sock. Mm -hmm. But so I'll, do, I'll just do some grunts without a tube. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, so those last few grunts where he had the little squeal in with the grunt, that's... That's so good. Yeah, they I'm, they do both. Yeah, like a boy, he'll, you'll hear that. Yeah, and they're all mixing it all in together, right? right? And it's like, but you're hearing different sounds. Yeah, and and they do it. I mean, I, I just rewatched that video they had of that five by six we called in right after those three little calves come running in, yeah. and we kind of scrambled for a setup, mm -hmm. and and I called at him, and he came, and he he did that exact thing. You know, mm -hmm. he had the. He had a bugle, and then he did that chuckle, and there was a high-pitched part of that chuckle. And there's one, there's there's a note in there 
on just one of the chuckles. Mm. And then it tails off. I don't know. I kind of notice little things like that. And I go, huh, that's pretty cool. Try to implement that. Yeah. But it's, I think it's doing, I think it's just a variety, you know, just trying a variety of things, see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're just barely, well, you might want to not go charging in with a stick, screaming and this and that. Maybe. I mean, it might work. A lot of times they're like from the bed bugling a little bit. And you can mm. tell, you can tell that it's just like a, a quieter, more subdued bugle. And then you can tell when they're freaking amped up too and just screaming. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I, I did say hunters call too much because it's too frequent, but on on the same token, I've heard bulls nonstop bugle, you know, just, Absolutely. just going crazy themselves. And if they're, yeah, to that point, there's a lot, you watch a lot of videos. And of course, there's now there's tons of footage of people calling elk and this and that. And, you know, pretty standard to have a, a caller a pint you're trying to call an elk past you know mm-hmm. keep them focused on that because like you like you, we talked about that bull at a couple hundred yards know exactly where you're at and when he gets to that point he can see that he knows exactly what should be standing there mm-hmm. but if the caller's back behind well he may see something but you'll see it you know when you watch those i watch the elk yeah when those guys are calling and calling elk in and that and there is a certain amount of calling that is like kind of imperative because that bull will start doing this, right? Yeah. Start looking around, and then all of a sudden, poof. Yeah. They'll get him. You got to give him something. So they keep after it, and they keep, and they keep that bull kind of focused because mm-hmm. he may call up, and block on something, didn't like it, or something's up. Hear the cock call. But he looks back there. That's scary. But that's a cow. That's yeah. scary. That's a cow. So there is, there is. I mean, that that amount of calling is sometimes required because yeah. if you, you, they may get bored, or they may not like the situation, or they go, oh, I don't hear. I can't, they already know you've got the wind. They know that part. They know one sense is missing. Right. Um, yeah. And that always puts them on high alert too. I so. think what, uh, but yeah, they all, it's not like they're freaking, you know, uh, what, what, what would I want to say? I mean, they're animals. So yeah. it's not like they're uh, super intellectual, right? So they right. can think, well, I see something there. But then, like you said, you make the call in there and then they're back on the collar and they'll like kind of weigh out because uh, they're big, aggressive animals. If they see some guy on their knees and they, it's <laughs> a little bit out of, out of place, but it's a, something small right. and they're a thousand pounds and then they hear this call right past this thing they're not sure about, you can distract them again and, and give them just that encouragement. And, you know, fuck that guy sitting, that right. kneeling down that you're not sure about. You're on a mission because if they're coming in and they're charging in, they're on a mission to go and solve this problem. Yeah, Whether it's came another for a bull right. or if it's a cow, they're going to go and figure out what the, why are you in my area? Or I'm taking this cow back to my herd. And they could like ignore what could be a red flag by whatever. But if you're looking small and you're not moving a lot, um, Yeah. They can, they can be, their emotions can get the best of them. Yeah. And they can be, they can be persuaded by those calls, you know, and some, and in certain cases, like I say, I've seen a ton of, you know, content on people and I've noticed, I've noticed that a ton. I'm like, if they, if those guys weren't calling as much as they were, Mm -hmm. I think that bull would have left. Yeah. Yeah. You had to keep keep them coming. But they kept on them. But that's situational. And if you're the caller and you can't see this happening, um, it's really hard to judge them. Well, but then also there's that fine line where sometimes you have to separate yourself from, from the hunter and you have to go over the hill, Yeah, you know, because if the bull comes in and he knows he should be able to see, 
down there right. and doesn't see anything. You should go see whatever's calling. But all of a sudden, you could go down into the cut or you could go wherever where it's just out of sight. Then that could be enough to pull. But then you're not being on. You can't read the bull because you can't see him because yeah. you're over the hill. So yeah, it's it's you know that's the hardest part is if you're back far enough calling and you and you can't see them or are kind of judging when they're finally in sight. But yeah, using those using the terrain is probably one of your biggest advantages yeah because if it's wide open like that bull where'd he stop that five by six he yeah. stopped as soon as he got to should, see, should be able to see something he stopped as soon as he had to and yeah went, mm, hmm, interesting <laughs> but if no if there was a hill there right or a little draw yeah well now an out count sound coming from that draw to me that that's perfectly natural to them that they c- couldn't see a cow down in there mm-hmm. i mean they know that yeah they go Oh. They know they got to get to the lip of that hill. They, they know they got to look over. Yeah. Um, just like they know they got to go to a creek to drink out of it. Yeah. Right. They, I mean, it, it's instinctive stuff. So, yeah, using that kind of terrain and those setups is uh, it's one of your most important tools. Yeah. Because they will they will stop when they can and know exactly what they're looking at and what they should be seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, is there is there and there's a spectrum of the behaviors that happen Um Besides that, there's the ones that don't care and run in to a duck call and get shot. Sure. Yeah. Or there's the ones that don't even come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting little, little game and dance, but yeah, not being able to see the elk. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard, but I figured you always start out that way too. You hardly ever see them when you start out either. Right. So, you know, just go, but I just go with my guts, whatever, whatever sounds right. And we had a hard time this year down there. Um, it's crazy. We got we got a lot of country to hunt, but there is a fence line. <laughs> and those elk were just on the wrong side of I mean, of all the area we could hunt, that one property line for whatever reason, those bulls just too many acorns. I don't know what it was. We, yeah. They just had the feed over there and there's nothing we could do to get I mean, we had a big bull we were going to trying to get or t- actually two good bulls that we wanted to get over on our side and just never yeah. happened. Pretty yeah, frustrating. No, that's, Did know. that bull ever come? Because I went, took off to Arizona, and you were, there's two other hunters down there when you were there, right? Or was it three? There were three total plus you. Yeah. So, yeah, we were, that, yeah. Well, then you, like you said, you you wanted that to hunt that big bull, that yeah. big old mature bull, and mm-hmm. he just, the circumstances dictate. Like you say, there are boundaries. Yeah. It's not unlimited. No. And uh, that was a hard line boundary right there. <laughs> and it always has been. I know. You know, and, uh, and you know, and it's a big bull. He's, they're still, dude, I was glassing elk there last night. Yeah. They're still out there. It's a ton yeah. of them. But they're, they also moved down mm-hmm. um, to where they're accessible now. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They've to been, where we could hunt them? Yeah. Oh, God. They've been down in there too. Yeah. Well, so season's um, over now. Of and plus, like I say, there was a bunch of bulls that that I didn't see all archery season that, that I was glassing the last day and a half. And this is like, I don't think I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where they came from. It's like, whatever. They but showed it, up late this year. Like we were saying, it's a good thing that it was a, the season was later. Than yeah. It, than I it's know. ever been that I remember. I've never had it go into October. No. I mean, it, and we needed pretty much every day to get. You know, I killed that bull last day of September down there. Right. And, uh, yeah, we had we had drama. I don't think the, the drama part's not going to make the film just because we didn't even get it. But I'll just say here is uh, 
you know, had a good opportunity at a, at a good bowl. And I think it was a quiet morning and, you know, it was just kind of a, you learn lessons all the time. You never get this shit figured out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had a shot at this, at a nice bowl. Me, you and Tanner were all together, quiet morning, maybe some popping and things. He kind of knew something was in our direction, waited him out. He's by himself. Finally, I got a shot and, uh, everything felt good and I hit high on him. And, uh, um, you know, one of these things where I've seen a lot of people, not a lot, but I've seen people make shitty shots and everybody turns it into, well, I think he's going to be okay. You know, I think, I don't think that's going to kill him. Hard to and know. We, we, you don't really ever know. But on yeah. this one, I knew I hit him, had blood, and it just was not a fatal hit type acting bull because we had blood for probably 50 yards and then the last blood I found was 300 yards straight up the hill. I mean, a freaking steep hill. And I found one drop up there and we're like, well, it's not acting like a hard hit bull. Right. And, uh, but you never know. So you'd, you'd never truly spent, know. I mean, spent, you know, a few days trying to resolve that issue. Could never find him again. Ended up going to Arizona, killing a bull coming back. And as fate would have it, you know, you spotted that herd up at the very, we were hunting down where that big six point was where right, we were right. trying to kill. And then you spotted elk, you know, I guess it's at least a mile away, but up on the high unit up there by the rock pit. Right. And we're like, well, that one, you know, you could see there's a handful of elk and then one really big light colored one. Yeah. And we're like, it's got to be a bull yeah, to, the, be. to the left. Yeah. Just he looked bigger and he was lighter colored. Anyway, long story short, you know, we'll, the film will show it, but we got up there, ended up, sorry to say, stalked him. So I know, man. <laughs> huh. so, so much for my Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we took, we took what the opportunity gave us and made this big stock down through the unit, popped up over in a per perfect position for a stock, popped up over on the logging road. And then I just had to work around like this cut bank. And then it was, you know, bow shot, long bow shot, but felt good about it and smoked this bull, right? right. Now you got him. And uh, breaking him down, and I saw this mark, and I'm, it didn't look like a fresh wound. Well, you saw it on his hide, you know? Yeah. And I looked at it, and you said, hey, look at that. And I go, huh. And I, I just instantly dismissed it because... It didn't look like a fresh... It didn't. Look, I can always... He got poked by another bull or yeah. a stick or something. Something. Somewhere. It's like, huh. I mean, these arrows that I shoot, you know, isn't expandable. It, it opens 2.75 inches a cut. That's pretty wide. That's a big hole, right? Big so hole. When, I, when I saw this mark on him, I'm, and same with you, I'm just like, oh, man, it's in the spot, I think. You know, we think that the bull dropped on my shot because he was kind of dialed in on us. Yeah. So we think he dropped. Normally, those bulls don't jump the string. But on a quiet morning, hearing something, being, being alerted, and then we think he dropped a little bit because I, you know, I know when I have, a, you know, of course I can make mistakes like anybody, but I know when the shot felt good and the shot felt good. Right. And Tanner had, had it on film and it looked like perfect technique, you know, didn't look mm. like a whatever on, on that. So anyway, we get to this bull and we're like, I was thinking, man, that mark is, it's, it's in the right spot, but it doesn't look fresh, right? See, I didn't think it was that high. After you'd shot, I had my glasses on that bull. Yeah. And even though we unfortunately didn't 
catch that exact second him running through that opening. I mean, like I told you, when you said, what do you think? I had, like, dude, it's, it's high. Yeah. It looked high to me, but it mm-hmm. didn't look as high as that wound, mm-hmm. which didn't look fresh either. So like I said, I just dismissed it and go, no, I can't be. Yeah. There's no way. But, hey. Turns out. Turns out. <laughs> we got to breaking that bull down and my freaking broadhead was stuck, uh, you know. And un- it's backbone. I know. In the spine. And it's like, it. He was 100% fine, had a herd. Had a herd. Doing bull stuff. Hmm. No, it didn't look like a friend. And so this was like two and a half weeks later, I think, from when I hit it. And he was 100%, barely even a mark on his hide, but had an arrow broke off, but it was stuck in his spine. I, I, I can't even explain it. And he was good to go. I'd never seen nothing like it. Yeah. So I don't think we even fit, you know, we were just kind of so caught up in the moment about breaking this bull down and getting the meat taken care of. And, you know, I made a good shot and he, he went, you know, whatever he went a hundred and maybe a little over a hundred yards and died quickly. So we were all good, kind of not even really thinking about, Oh, let's, let's check out this. And then we're cutting and it's like, there's a, a, a sliver of carbon of arrow. And it's like, yeah, it's like, well, no, I hit him. Huh? perfect here why would their carbon be up here yeah. by his spine yeah it wasn't it wasn't it was missing dude it wasn't yeah, doing it, this i was not like, connecting and then there's like wait a second and freaking broadhead still in there huh. crazy i mean it's it's you know there's a couple different ways you could look at this like should you not share stories like that because you don't want mm. people thinking that mm. a, a bow is an inferior um weapon <laughs> because on the shot that I killed him with, he was, I mean, dead quick in seconds, right? I can't I'm, believe he was. I mean, I, I was, what, a couple hundred yards away. Yeah. And as soon as he shot, I started calling. But oh. And I saw the exit, right? It looked perfect. And I saw the blood. I saw the exit with my own eyes. And I go, okay, that's a really good shot. I can't mm-hmm. believe he walked as far as he did. I know. I know. It was. It, they're just so hardy. Yeah. And that's probably a testament to the time of year, the rut. Yeah. Hearing those calls, I mean, it'd stop and he'd look. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? And yeah. then, but he was... It was, it was an excellent shot, and I'm surprised he made it that far. But I, yeah, I but didn't. yeah. So it's like I, I don't want people to think that you know mm. uh, a perf- an arrow won't do it. But also, it, it's reassuring in that um, it's it's different than with with a rifle. With a rifle, uh, it's causing so much damage. I don't know if a bull could recover from that and be healthy. Right. Whereas an arrow, it's clean. It's a hemorrhage, which will seal up and heal not it's not a rifle shot blowing shit apart um which you may or may not recover hopefully you do you know nobody wants to lose an animal but right with this arrow it's it's a pretty good it makes me feel good that yeah a perfect shot is going to kill it you're going to recover it a less than perfect shot maybe the animal's going to survive and what i always say is if the animal's going to die i'm going to find it you know, I'm not losing it. If it's going to die, I will find it. If it's not going to die, who knows, right? And so right, this right. bull obviously was not going to die. We didn't get him until two weeks later and got him killed. But it's like, uh, you could say, it's how you look at it. You could say, well, an arrow is ineffective. It's like, well, no, because that I've seen them pile up in 50 yards. So it's not ineffective. No. It just has to be well-placed. Yeah. And if it's not, maybe that animal... If it's not through the guts or through an organ, chances are it's going to heal up and be fine with an arrow. There's a chance. And, and this was a perfect testament to that. I don't know. It's, yeah. Maybe we could get someone to test that out. Shoot yourself with 
a oh, gun, gun in your hand, and then <laughs> with the other hand, we'll shoot you with an arrow. Right. See which how it. See which one's worse. I'll go with the arrow. I'd go with the arrow because too. you know it's going to heal up, where a gun is just going to blow shit apart. And I'm not, I, I'm not trying to make it a, a archery versus no, rifle no, type not thing at all. because hunting is imperfect. There's it is killing anything. Anytime you're trying to kill an animal, sometimes it's going to be textbook. Sometimes it's going to be a shit show. A lot of times it's going to be somewhere in between. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't, like I say, I don't know the, there's a lot of factors. I don't know the course of action. People are like, well, you know, it's not a people's business, whether I shot and lost one or made a bad hit and this and that. And you're like, essentially it's like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you are right. It is not a people's business and it happens, you know, and it is kind of a personal thing, but if you're going to talk about the stories and the stuff, you might want to include what's real. Yeah. I, I say lay most of it out on the table and let people figure it out. Yeah. Let them let them decide, because that pisses me off, and we're kind of in that state of media right now mm-hmm. where you don't know what's true. They're, they're dancing around the edges of the truth. They're massaging words. They're playing word games, and it's like, that pisses people off. Yeah, yeah. Just when they honest. find out that they're being jerked off like that, yeah. they it, it pisses me off. Yeah. And but but with this this is a little different. I mean, this is a personal endeavor. This is hunting. This isn't but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's worth talking about. I mm-hmm. I don't I will tell people about the ones and I won't go out and tell everybody, oh yeah, I lost one shot mana. Yeah. But if we're talking about it, yeah. I'll tell them this is what happened. Right. Because it's real. Yeah. And I never feel ashamed about talking about what is real, yeah. whether it benefits me or not. No, I know. I mean, that's, and the only, I've just been thinking about that ever since we, we weren't filming all that because we were, we were done filming. We we're breaking the bull down. You know what I mean? So we, yeah, way to go, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe it's like, uh, you know, it's so hard to make these films and it's like, you know, telling the story, how, how's the story going to go? How much time do we have? Cause it's like, if you're now, if you're talking about, well, I hit this bull two and a half weeks before there's like, well, how does this fit in the story? So it was just like, yeah, w- whatever. All I'm just saying is like, it, it won't make, we weren't filming it and we never even talked about it on film. It was just kind of like, right. Got the, right. Got the right. kill bulls dead. Oh. It wasn't the point of the story. It wasn't the point. But what I feel good about is that that part of the story is resolved because mm. it's like you never really know. You can say right. it was a superficial wound, bull's going to be okay. But until you see that bull okay, who knows? You don't really and know. And so I just feel good that we got that chapter closed. Yes, something yeah. happened on the first shot. Maybe I fucked up. Maybe the bull dropped. Whatever the case, all I know is that chapter's closed because we got the same bull killed. Yeah, and the odds of that, that, like I say, that was never the purpose. It was never in our minds. I mean, by the amount of blood you mentioned, it's like we had blood. That wasn't good blood. No. The, I mean, there was there was not shit. No, 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 no. And so that's... And so, but it was like, and then that last spot you found, it was like, okay, this is this, that, that's a different ballgame. That's, yeah. that's an elk that's going a long ways. Yeah, and my, my, my approach to that is if I shoot something and I think it's going to die, that's probably going to be, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm done. But... And I'm not trying to be, you know, turning a gut shot into like, oh, I think he's going to be okay just so I can keep hunting. I'm pretty honest about. Sure. I feel if I look at everything and if I look at, if I got the arrow, if I got the blood and if I can see what the animal's doing, I can make a pretty accurate assessment on, is this fatal or not? Right. And on that one, we all decided 
not fatal. And of course it wasn't until I shot him again. But it's like, I think that's part of hunting. You know, you got to be able to look objectively. If you're, if you got an arrow in an animal, there's no law that says you got to quit hunting and that's your animal. But ethically, you know. And there's no law you got to tell people about it either. No, you I don't. mean, it's a personal thing. And are some people gonna for because of their ego or whatever you try to hide it and this that or maybe they have something tied maybe they got skin in a game yeah and a bad shot and that being revealed is bad for them man there's lots of circumstances who knows mm -hmm. whatever but like you said the most important thing is like trying to best you can to determine is that a fatal hit or not yeah that's all i you that's know? all i care and about if if we if, you know you punch one through his guts and you we can prove that it's like that's a fatal hit it's yeah. gonna die it's gonna die nothing survives shot through the guts. I mean, it takes a long time. Yeah. But things don't survive that. Yeah. People don't survive that. Right. right. Um, it's just, it, it, it's a devastating, crappy shot. And like I say, it, it, it hurts people. It hurts, you know, at different levels. It hurts your ego. It, it kind of makes, you know, it drags down what is otherwise, you know, a passion just makes you question all of it going, God damn I know. it, man. Especially when it means as much to, to you as it, like this means to us. It's like elk hunting is everything. Yep. Elk hunting in Oregon is everything. And like having so much respect for these animals and working so hard and then th thinking you screwed up. Yep. There's nothing hurts worse. No, I don't. We, you don't shoot your bow that much. I don't shoot my bow that much. Make your arrows and broadheads and all this stuff. We don't do that to go make a shitty shot. No, no. Do it to be perfect. Do make it. perfect shots. To make, to edge your, hedge your bet that yeah. you, you won't make that shot. Mm -hmm. But the fact is it's reality. And and I don't mind talking about real stuff. And I wish, if anything, if it encourages people, if they learn something from it, mm -hmm. like right there, we learned that lesson. I yeah. looked at that shot and we never knew. Now I was there after you left, you know, and when you got back and I kept looking. Yeah. I mean, I took, I took a few little walks and I kept, you'll see birds eventually maybe or something. Yeah. You know, and I kept paying attention and I never thought nothing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. huh. But if people can learn and just don't let that avert overshadow everything, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's an imperfect world. We're imperfect beings. You're not going to be for it. Just try really hard. Yeah. Now, if you're irresponsible, that's different. Yeah. It's not the same thing. No, it's not the same. And if irresponsible people want to just chalk it up, well, it's just because we're not perfect. Well, that's not right. Yeah. It's you're irresponsible. I heard, I heard a story on now. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even going to turn it into much. <laughs> okay. Whatever. It's like, you know, I'm just trying to be honest about me. I can't really speak for anybody else. So, yeah. So, well, hey, so never mind that I, part. Yeah. I mean, we're, there's no rule, like you said, that, so you got to tell anybody or you even got to quit hunting, you know, if you don't find an animal or something, there's, there's nothing, but it, you know, it's maybe... You know, if someone feels comfortable talking about it and, and other people can learn from that and go, oh, okay, maybe if it's this shot, maybe I should think this, or if it's that, I should think that. And, and you know, don't be ashamed, but yeah, it sucks, but mm -hmm. you got to face up to it. Yeah. And you know what? You can tell no one, but you still know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't lie to yourself. <laughs> you cannot lie to the man in the mirror, man. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, and I don't know, like I said, you don't got to run around telling everybody all your mistakes and your weak points and your failures, but... You know, fessing up to them sometimes uh, is liberating. Yeah, it is. And it's like if other, you know, I've learned a lot from other people, you mm -hmm. know, so if somebody can learn something from us talking about this, then then that's a win for everyone. Um, it was it was a good ending. But in between there was, man, a lot of a lot of ang I don't know. It's just it cast a little shadow on things. Yeah, it always does. It sucks. 
you know, it, it, it just does. It, ca- it, it just dims it down what's normally really bright and, mm-hmm. and you know, fun and, and pretty enjoyable. It just, it just puts a little damper on it, you mm-hmm. know, and just, um, but it, it doesn't mean you quit. No. I mean, you just take responsibility. And yeah. If we quit every time we failed at anything ever, none of us would do anything. Yeah. Especially nothing hard. Nothing hard. That's always a risk on when you take a big challenge is that, hey, this might not go your way. Yeah. I mean, you could grab the remote to your TV, drop it and break it. Are you going to quit watching TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can just tell Alexa, turn on the TV and I want this, that, that, and then this and go. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, we just, as a as animals, we don't, our ancestors didn't quit. No. We don't quit. Mm-mm. But there's a difference between being honest and, and giving things honest effort and, yeah. and honest consideration and being irresponsible. Yeah, we covered some miles, just making sure that that wasn't a fatal hit on, yeah. on that bowl the first time. Didn't seem like it. No. Um, not to me. And, you know, and you're talking what we got combined. What do we got? It's almost 70 years of bow hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty good at being able to, to, to figure out lethal, not lethal. We've what been happened. on a lot of blood trails. Yeah, and it's not, you know, there. nobody has all the answers, but you no. can make a lot of assumptions based on experience. Yes, and experience so, is usually king. So we, we did that and felt good about it, and it turned out it was, we were right on, and then as fate would have it, we got the, you know, mm-hmm. got the I dotted and T crossed and got that bull ended up getting him killed. Dude, that's an, it's an amazing story. It's awesome. I mean, um, couldn't it be better. There couldn't have been a better outcome. Mm-hmm. And I think... Tanner said it too, you know, trying to convince that bull to come over. I mean, I thought, what would we call him? Within 100 yards of that property line? Oh, yeah, that six I point. mean, I, dude, I was doing everything I, I knew how to do. All the tricks in the book. I even did the old Bob wire fence trick, <laughs> which <laughs> I just totally pulled out of my ass. Hey, it would have worked for me. I would be like, shit, there's elk crossing a fence right now. Well, yeah. I hear him. <laughs> Everybody's heard elk jump fences who's that been was, around elk. That and was you, perfect. And you hear the bob wire squeaking and all that stuff. You're like, didn't work. Well, they know what that sounds like. Let's try that. <laughs> I like that. That's thinking outside the box. But Tanner said that bull wouldn't come there because we we're meant to kill this other one. And I'm like, yeah, that's some deep stuff. That is. Yeah. No, it's, it was meant to be, I think. I think he's right on with that. But, you know, we were meant to kill that bull. And said, he was an awesome bull, six by five, just extra devil tying on the one side. You should show him. I just brought him down. Yeah, I know. Go grab him. Hey, Tanner, can you turn the... Can, does that thing turn up a little bit? No, he can... But you bring him over here to the table. He's right over there. Oh. Yeah. We'll set him on the table, and then, yeah. and then he'll be here. Oh. There you go. Yeah, just set him right there. Here? Yep. Yeah, so there he is. Yeah, we're good. I'm gonna slide down just a touch. That's good. But yeah, this, I don't know if this is on there, but that, that time is awesome. But yeah, just a cool dark horn bull. We saw his white tips, you know. This, the first time I shot, I saw these first three times, and I'm like, ah, that's pretty good bull. You know, it's Roosevelt. This isn't like giant Rocky Mountain elk, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a cool bull. That's a, I mean, at least front. Yeah, I, see, I didn't see the fronts. Mm-hmm. That's why I'd never put this bull as the one you shot earlier yeah. together. Those never, those mm-hmm. never, because I, I saw half this rack yeah. and half his head behind a tree. And I'd never, I think all this stuff was kind of lined up. Yeah, probably. And I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, no, great front. Look, look at that. I mean, I know. 
Roosevelt's, I mean, yeah, this is this is good stuff for a Roosevelt bull. Yeah, he's a cool bull. He is a really cool bull. And um, uh, so, I mean, we'll we'll wrap this thing up. So, but I did want to say, so we kind of talked about this. We did the lifter and shoot event. You came down and you like, oh, yeah. that was that was fun. Just talking to all those guys. It was fun. But uh, I think I don't know if we ever figured out how many bulls we've killed together, but. Um, I think I mentioned it in that class, but maybe just for the podcast, what do you think has, what, what has determined why we've been able to kill so many bulls and get it done every, every single time? How do we get a bull killed every year? Um, what's the secret? Well, we go. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you gotta be out there. I mean, we go yeah. and, and. Of course, you know, you hunt multiple hunts have been since then, since I've known you. And it's like, but still it's compressed. And I think it's, I think it's just a drive, you know, it just, we don't waste a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we take a nap in the middle of the day sometimes when it's slow and it's 95 degrees and we're pissed off? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not that fun when you're not seeing or hearing anything and that happens. But yeah. I think, I think just the consistency, we just slowly grind at it. Mm-hmm. This isn't working well. We're going to walk over here. That's not working well. We're going to go hunt this one. Yeah. We haven't seen out there for a week. Well, we're going there anyways. Yeah. And we're going to try because yeah. we might kill one if we're out there. We won't kill one if we're in here. The key, any success I've had is just putting in work. Do the work. Punch that time clock. No. Yeah. If you're out there, anything can happen. I mean, I remember that one year you were keeping track, I think, on your phone. Yeah. And uh, you were doing the miles, so you'd ask me, okay, Kev, how many miles today? And I'd be like, I don't know, man, like six. You're like 13. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, and that was a slow year. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely cover, cover country. And, and. But that's, that's my secret everywhere. Yeah. Is I just, I'm just going to try to out, outwork whatever, whatever problem there is. I remember that time and I mentioned it in my book too. It's like, we, it was like a hard, I think it was a year I killed that giant, mm. but it was hot as hell. Slow. Giant moon. And yeah. I was saying, yeah, fuck that moon. I wish there's two, <laughs> two full moons. Yeah. I it wish was, it was hotter. Good. Yeah. More time to practice your hot weather techniques. Yeah. So it was like, <laughs> we're just, Hey, we're just going to throw time and work at it. We'll punch in, just be out there. Yeah. Do everything we can, full effort, 100%, and see what happens. And at the end of it, it seems like we're always sitting there with the bull. We heard one bull that entire hunt. I know. Yeah. And we just kept doing hunts and kept walking. And, you know, we're talking. We're, well, let's try that spot. Let's try this spot. And so that, I think that's, you know, and we hunt a good spot. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good spot. Yeah, and it for, is. For anybody. Good country. Yeah, anybody listening to this and they go, well, what's, you know, what's some of the advice or secrets or whatever it's like try to get in the best country you can there are places and there's lots of good elk country mm-hmm. all over this western united states it's public ground yeah and yeah, definitely and it takes it will take some work there's drawn really good tags it takes time there's but some sometimes it's just some work mm-hmm. you know and and you're gonna have to put some effort in to find those better spots yeah and you know we're hunting a good spot that helps yeah More opportunity definitely but it can be dead, and it was dead. Yeah. I mean, it's it's no different than you doing, using a hunting fool, or we talked about the, the members' research supplement with Eastman's. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not going through all that data to find shitty areas. No. 
you're going through it to find the very best area yeah. because it helps your odds. Yeah. So all I've done my whole life is like, where's the best elk hunting in the world? How can I figure out a way to go there? Exactly. But so even if you don't have that, or if it's not realistic for you to hunt the very best, well, so what's your goal? Is to hunt the next best. What's in, in your what's in within your scope? What's in, in your, your orbit? means or or your yeah availability? And then you just kind of, but you always want to hunt the very best you can. Yes. It's no different. You know, I used to hunt right up here out of Marcola. Sure. Tough hunting. And then I was like, man, the Eagle Cap Wilderness, that's tough hunting, but it's better than where I was. There's more elk. So I'll go there. And then it's like, so we hunted Oregon, you hunted Oregon, but then mm -hmm. you're like, well, wait, Idaho, that's mm. better than, then Wyoming is better than Idaho maybe. <laughs> so it's like, we're just playing this game of, let's just keep finding better and better and better yeah. opportunities and taking right. advantage of it if you can. Then you go to Arizona and there's 35, 40 bulls per hundred cows on public ground. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Th this is why people are <sighs> looking at 350s and saying dink. And yeah. we're here in Oregon and 350 might as well be a world record. It would be a world record. <laughs> For Oregon. <laughs> it would be my personal world record. Yeah. <laughs> but it, no, and there's some... You know, there's some good points and uh, there's some good, I'm, I've killed 350 bull in Oregon. Yeah. Um, you know, a walla walla bull. Yeah. And, and it, it, but it, that's tough hunting. Let me tell you. Oh, definitely. That's a big, steep, brutal country. Definitely. And of course, yeah, you end up killing stuff at the bottom of the canyons. But yeah, there's just do, you know, the best you can. I mean, most people, me included, ain't going to hunt the San Carlos. I know. That's just, that's a different game. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you said, what's the next place? Where is really good that I can hunt? Right. And even there's public ground and there's a whole bunch of it. And like there's a whole bunch of it that doesn't have elk on it. Mm -hmm. And there's some of it that does. Yeah. I would find a way to be in the spot where some of it does. Right. Be in those spots. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the odds and it's a numbers game. So yeah. just do the mo hunt the most you can in the best area you can. That's the secret sauce right there. That's it. That's it. It's and time. It. The more time you can do it, the more opportunities you're probably going to have. I like. I like it because people people will say like, "Oh, well, it must be nice to hunt San Carlos or to hunt wherever the other great places I hunt." <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, it is must fucking nice. nice. But don't. Yeah, exactly. But don't forget. I mean, and I can look at you. I can look at me. I can look at. Wayne at the bow rack or Roy, you know, when he was here and it's like, we've killed everywhere we've ever went. Mm -hmm. So of course you're going to kill San Carlos and whatever, but yeah. don't forget that we've killed on the shittiest hunts everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you can't just say, well, it's just because of this. It's like, well, what no. about, what about all these other, what about yeah. in every country, every state, every place ever I've ever went, I've killed. What yeah. about that? Yeah. What that, about a brand? Uh, you drew a really good tag. Never been there in your yeah. life, mm -hmm. and but you show up with that arsenal and that tool bag, and you go to work, right? So and you start dissecting, you start calling, you start, and you learn road systems, you hike, you do all down. this stuff, and you just just apply yourself to it. Mm -hmm. And in the end, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But it usually, like I said, all those guys I just mentioned, it's like it pretty much always works. They're always getting, you know, There's you, some you've always killed, you yeah. know, it's, it's just, it's going to happen because the skill sets, they travel with you. They do. And then you get there, you break it down, you hunt hard. And usually 
all that experience pays off and it happens. Something, but, something gives way uh, eventually. Yeah, but you know you, you get what I chance. say when people say it must be nice? Mm -hmm. And I go, no, you're wrong, man. It's fucking way better than nice. Yeah, <laughs> That's what it is. Because definitely. I've been there on San Carlos with you one mm -hmm. year when I was driving the truck. And that is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And <laughs> some people might, well, I'll go hunter. It's like. Dude, me neither, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. That, yeah. to appreciate that for what it is, mm. if you can't appreciate that, maybe you should revisit your, you know, how much, if you want to hunt or not. Right. Because don't set that as your bar. That's pretty unique. Yeah. When I, when I first went there, I, it's expensive. And I yes. was like, I was like, this will be a one and done. It should be. <laughs> one and done, right. once in a lifetime. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, do whatever it takes to get there that this one time just to experience it. And so that, it's not realistic for people like us. That's all there's to it. It's just like, no. as for people like Warnock or yeah, pe Warnock. people with way, <laughs> way more money than us. Sorry, Gerald. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but to me, just to your point, I was just like, all, one time I just want, you know, I've watched the videos. We used to watch this video at the Borac. Mm -hmm. big bulls of San Carlos ah. or whatever. And it was just, I didn't even know there was elk like that on this planet. And so we'd watch it and obsess over it. And then just like, wait, so you're saying if, if I write this check, I can hunt the same country. And it's, you know, you've been down there. It's, there's no fences. That, there's, it's big country. It's, no, there's no fences. It's big country. It's not for a thousand up. miles. No. And everybody, you know, it's, it's not archery. It's any weapon. Yeah. Nobody's using a bow. No. You know, it's like, um, but those, the, the Apache tribe, they freaking know elk. Everybody knows, they yeah. know that country. They know where the big bulls like to hang out. So you will get some competition because the tribal members, they get tags too. Yeah. And we're down there and it's just like, I just got so much respect for that country, for what it is and how special it is and how magical it is. And then also... I love the culture and the people and the tradition of it. I just right. love, I love everything about it. So even if it was a once in a lifetime, I'm like, that's okay. That's good enough for me. And now somehow it's been six lifetimes. Some things should be once in a lifetime, man. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but there are some things and that's what makes yeah. them special. Mm -hmm. They obviously know they're special. Like you said, and those people, it's, it's amazing what they do and, and the resources that they've developed mm -hmm. and they know what, Big bulls look like too. Uh, they, I mean, because when a guy that. looks and goes, nah, and it's like a 390 bull, yeah, and they're like, hmm, and I'm like, I know. But I know. here's the trap people fall into, right? Um, it's there's ego involved, there's jealousy, but they set their own bar based on that. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. No, hell no. Don't do that. I can't be taking what you expect there to other states. No, you, you do every. <laughs> you would hate hunting. This would I have killed this bull? <laughs> I mean, think about... I wouldn't. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I know. People, you know, they say what uh, comparison is a thief of joy. It is a thief I mean, of joy. I mean, it's 100%. It's like you can't compare... You can't compare bulls down there to anywhere else. No, it's you all can't. There's to it. And, and don't fall in that trap. Just, you know, enjoy... I don't know. There's far more enjoyment and just realizing what you got. Understanding what the upper limits that are. And I mean... Maybe you're just a meat, cow hunter and you want to go shoot a cow and stuff. Well, all that's I, fine. I know it's one reason why you and I get along so well is because, so we got this bull killed here in Oregon and I wasn't any less happy 
than when I killed that bull right behind you in San Carlos this year, which is a giant bull. Oh, I God, wasn't, so big. I wasn't more happy yeah. with that bull than this bull that because that's hunting is so cherished and means so much. And every bull is you're rewarded for this effort with this bull. And it's like, I don't give a fuck how big it is really. Dude, is that's, it, that was just as, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Is it a giant Roosevelt? No, but it's real classic looking. Yeah. Real and, and typical. And he's got some nice fronts, but mm -hmm. it, it was a good hunt, a great shot. I was the same. Ended up being what it was. I was the same as at just as happy as when I killed that bull right yeah. behind you. And successful. Yeah. So yeah, don't so, let that thief steal your joy. No, I, I, I know I don't. I don't either. I hope, I hope others can. It's hard though because we are competitive. We are competitive beasts. Men are competitive. It's like we have the egos. We love to talk shit. We love to discount what other people do. I get it. I've done it too. Yep. <laughs> I did it. I, and I think that for me personally, when I was younger, there was more comparison like that. Mm -hmm. and, and in a way, it kind of drove me a little bit. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy with all more pictures up on the board. Yeah. Right. I wanted to be that guy. The I most pictures. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, I was, so it drove me, but I, I, I don't think it, it, I'd never let that like permeate into if I didn't get that, yeah. that that hunting wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. Cause it was always fun. It was, no, I just wanted to go. So if that's your, if that's your standard, then it's going to be a tough road to hoe. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it, I, I'd rather people, much rather people just enjoy, you know, enjoy it for what there's so much to enjoy. Oh man. It's such a gift to be able to be out there in the mountains with a bow. Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Uh, it's yeah. How it's, much, how much better is life than that? Those moments where we're out there, Matching wits with a herd of elk. Yeah. And we're hunting. It's just like, just, just enjoy it for what it is. It's yeah. A, it's I mean, a gift. It's, it's, it's fixed. It's finite, man. It doesn't go on forever. No. So, well, I know next weekend we're going to be having Truett out there trying to find a buck and Tanner's going to be along with us. We're going to try to get that on film too. But, awesome. Uh, Kevin, thank you. It's, uh, you know, you're one of my best friends now. You know, we, we've lost our, We've lost our best friends. Yeah. And now we're stuck with each other. I know. How'd you get so lucky? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I love hunting with you. I love, I love that you love what I love. It just makes it, we have such mm. a good time. Mm. And uh, I, I appreciate your friendship and, yeah. and all the great times we've had chasing elk. Yeah. And hopefully great times to come, you know, and I appreciate all the same things in you. It really does. It's, and it's not hard. To, it's it's not easy to find people who kind of have the the same mindset mm -hmm. and and can enjoy that, right? Yeah. Um, and and try, I mean, you can tell when someone is actually enjoying something, or they're just kind of faking it. Yeah. A little bit and kind of uh -huh, whatever, but um, yeah. There's it's just cool. We just show up and do our deal, and yeah, not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of you know. Just what that. we it's do. Like, yeah, it's just go about our business and have fun, man. Yeah, I appreciate you too very much. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, thank you. I give a shout out to Ron Hofsis and Bubba. Yeah. Yep. Bubba Shorb. Yeah, right? he is a Shorb. Shorb, yeah. Those guys are those are, are part of the team down there. Absolutely. We, we uh they know that property so, so well, hunted there their whole lives. Like, I don't know what it, they're in this almost 70 right ron's over 70 yeah uh, Ron's 72 or 73 70 years of knowing that country that's uh so yeah those i mean we get down there we team up we get bulls killed 
Yeah. And it's a, it's I was a, glassing with Bubba this morning and I'm thankful for it because, you know, it's not going to last forever. Nothing no, does. No, no. And so I'm going to enjoy every time I can, you know, and, and well, yeah, we got some more days ahead of us. Thank next, you, brother. Next weekend. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you, man. Keep hammering. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's know that everyone has their season. Deer season, turkey season, duck season. Every animal is a unique challenge. Every hunt, a different experience. And I count on my local Cabela store here in Springfield, Oregon to gear me up with all my hunting necessities. And you know, I like to support companies that give back to conservation. Under the leadership of founder John Morris, Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's are leading North America's largest conservation movement. Together with our partners, they're positively shaping the future of the outdoors through donations, grant writing, and advocacy. Head to their website, BassProShop.com or Cabela's.com and get geared up for your upcoming hunts.